And that's where I had to talk to my husband and we had to sit with the budget and we were, we figured out that, okay, I can stay home, but our budget's going to come, our budget's really, it's going to come and be magnified and and we're going to really going to have to fine tune this budget and work it like clockwork and be, and so that we can, so that I can really do this. And then that ultimately led me to grow Florista Grow that led me to the business aspect of it and that led me to investing hey guys before we start the show off let me make sure i tell you that this is a two-part episode so part two of this episode will go live next week enjoy the show for now and stay tuned for next week's episode welcome to the millennials and money podcast a podcast dedicated to help millennials to make wise decisions with their money we find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and investment advisor representative, Payne Boyer, invites millennial guests on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, as always, investment advisor representative with Homes Financial, Payne Boyer. And this week, I got another exciting guest. This week, I have Miss Mrs. Myra Stewart. Say hello, Myra. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So Myra is a wife, a mom, and an author, a children, an author of a children's novel. So I'm excited to have her on the show. Before we kind of get into your story and the book you wrote, let's um I always like to talk about how I know you. So Myra, I know you from Toastmasters. Yes. Yeah, you actually are a newer member to our chapter. You're doing a great job. Um, It's kind of sad when I've been in Toastmasters for like a year and you've been there for like three weeks and you're already a better speaker than me. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're a great speaker. I'm so excited to hear more about you, about your story. But before we kind of talk about your story, talk about who you are in your book. My name is Myra Stewart, obviously, and I am a student of life, first and foremost, and I really find that my most profound understanding of my life is through living it and and through learning from myself and other people and and my experiences and every challenge has an opportunity for me to grow and that's really what ultimately got me to the point of writing Grow Florida Grow which is the children's book I wrote about the growth of a flower and it, it encompasses its journey of growing from a seed into into a beautiful bloomed flower and it had to grow despite the adversity. And that's my life. That's my story. I've had to grow through adversity and I, and I, I'm better for it. You're such a perfect guest for the show because this show is all about learning from others. You know, that's why I have guests on just let them share their money stories. So in hopes that our listeners can pick things up Mm -hmm. from other people's journey and hopefully learn to better themselves through that. So let's kind of get into your story. Let's talk about what was money like for you and your household growing up? Where did you grow up and what was money like there? I love that that question. So I grew up in Fairfield, California, in a really nice suburban area. And I had a it was a beautiful home and it was really interesting. I grew up in a I had everything I needed 
And I think what's fascinating is my dad grew up in Oakland, California, in East Oakland. And so he raised me in a suburban, beautiful area with an Oakland mindset. <laughs> to the point, seriously, to the point where he was he would always instill you got to stay on your toes and <laughs> and you always got to you know watch your back and you you know like just the street smarts all like literally all the time and i'm sitting there and fearful like where do i got to stay stay on my toes <laughs> is this an appropriate situation to stay on my toes like you know i'm like i don't trust nobody <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just and i think that was really interesting for me um growing up and because i think my dad had the childhood he had of you know stress and high intensity and poverty in many ways but even though he also grew up with an abundance of food and a really solid home but um for for him it was really interesting because while we had this beautiful physical appearance right when it came down to buying clothing and stuff he was like no we're not buying no name brands mm -hmm. he's like your budget is twenty dollars for shoes <laughs> and I was like, and he would take me to Big Five. I'll never forget every before either he would take me to Big Five, he would give me twenty dollars. He said, "That's your budget for shoes," and I'd be like, "For real? <laughs> Have you seen the shoes that are twenty dollars? Like I'm over here trying to be, <laughs> you know." And it's funny. <laughs> And so that led me, but that, you know, so everything was like, you have to work for it. He was always like, well, if you want, this is what I'm able to give you, or this is what I'm giving you. If you want something more, you work for it. That was always his thing. You work for it. And so finally, when I turned 14, I was over it. I'm in high school now. I'm over this $20 big five <laughs> shoe budget. I'm, I'm over it. And so I started knocking on the neighborhood doors and I was like I will clean your house and you know this is what I expect you to pay me and, and it was very affordable obviously and I and I did I got a few gigs in the neighborhood cleaning houses <laughs> it was obvious there were people we knew I, got, I gotta pause you there because that, yeah. that takes initiative that's a that's the hustler's mindset if your dad's mm -hmm. from Oakland especially if he's your dad that means he grew up back when Oakland was not like it is now. Like o Oakland no. was really tough when he was coming up. Yes, he was. And yeah, he, he talked that it's a hustler's. That's a hustler's mindset to get out there and mm -hmm. go get it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's awesome that he instilled that in you. But go ahead and talk about your journey, your first time <laughs> earning a dollar. Yeah, it's funny. So that was my that was like my initiation into making my own money, and it really didn't stop from there and at that point I remember I, I bought myself a phone I bought my sister a phone I was paying our phone bill and I remember it made my dad so mad because I mean I'm his he would be like give me your phone I'm like do you pay for it he would get so pissed I'm like girl ooh, he would get so mad and I'd be like yeah and I would get I would get so in trouble when I say that but I, I, I was feeling myself I'm like I pay for this. How you gonna take it away from me? Yeah, he created a monster <laughs> with that one. Hey, yes, he did. You're bold for saying that because I, I was. You gotta be bold to tell your parents a deep. Oh, he was. He was so so. He would. Oh God, I would get so in trouble. I to this day, he says I was. He'll say he, I have four siblings, and he'll say I was one of the hardest kids he had. But I feel like it was his, his doing. Um, yeah, so that was really interesting for me. Um, and from there, I uh, I got a job as a server. Or no, I was a I went to a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, and I got a job as a hostess. And I moved myself up into um, into as a server, and then a bartender. And I will not say where I bartended, but 
and, and how that happened. But I was so young and I was out there like I did not care. I um, and I'm glad they didn't. I mean, it's just that's a whole nother situation. But that's the reality, to be honest. And I remember um, I always yeah, I always had cash and I always had money on me. And it felt really good to be in that place. And I also worked at Kmart and I was um, I ended up being a, a supervisor at Kmart which at like, it was like 18 or something, which was really interesting because there would be there people there that were working for years that were way older than me. And I, somehow I made it into that position. So those are, those are my first initiations into being, yeah, into money. And then from there, obviously it bloomed, but yeah. Well, let's go back to that. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. Let's kind of go back to your childhood life. I like the fact that your dad taught you how to get out, get out there and go get it. He instilled yeah. that in you, and um, you took it. You know, there's four, there's four siblings, four kids. There's usually maybe half will do it, half won't. I don't know the, how it worked out in your household, but the fact that you're one of the ones that did do it, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So when you first started earning money, I don't know at, at home. Did you did you grow up in a two parent household or? Yes. And I did. did two working parents or was it a stay-at-home mom? Mm -hmm. So my mom stayed at home my whole life and my dad worked and he worked a lot actually. And yeah, and they're still together. And so I still have, they're still living where I grew up in and everything. Yeah. So how were finances for you guys? Is that where you, where you guys, you guys have to have uh, your dad came from Oakland to Fairfield. That's a big mm -hmm. step up. Mm -hmm. Um, what was it like growing up in that is the middle class area, upper middle class area? What was that like for you? I never needed for anything. Like I said, it was really the 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 more for me. Like I want more. It was always, and my dad would always get mad. Why don't you ever get? You're never satisfied. That's your, that's your problem. You would tell me that's my problem, and <laughs> he just never just just chill. <laughs> and. And so for me, like I never needed anything. And I grew up in an area which was it was very nice. And I actually was, I lived six houses down from Cindy, which you know through yeah. Toastmasters. So I've known her since I was four. Oh wow, that's and so great. we had each other down the street from each other. I've had my whole life. And so we went to college, right? Wow. And so I it was, I was blessed. I was really blessed with that, um, with the solid foundation, um, which I think is why. Now I feel is my mission to really speak on growth from a standpoint of building a foundation. You can only build as high as your like as high as your foundation is deep, right? And mm -hmm. and so for me, that's huge in in understanding myself and how I choose to move forward in my future. Yeah. So I, I know it's like this in a lot of minority households. Mm -hmm. I don't know how yours was, but. A lot of times our parents would talk to us about the importance of earning money. Yes. And we learned that young. But managing money is not something that we talk there about. Like, I don't know how finances were in my household. Me personally, I knew sometimes we had money. A lot of times we didn't. And I didn't know why. Mm. Parents talked to you about the money and how to manage money and the fact uh, and the way to be responsible with money. Were these conversations that took place in your house? So that's interesting. So my parents were big savers. So they were, if anything, they, they were big savers. I don't know, the, the conversation of investing and your money making money was not in the conversation, really. I, I got to pause you yeah. there because oh. I see that so much in minority households. Yes. Because people, this, I'm in a white industry, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's changing, but it's predominantly like white. Mm-hmm. And no one was talking to people that looked like us. Mm-hmm. No one, like someone in my position wasn't, they didn't not they didn't have to necessarily be racist. They just assumed this guy doesn't have any money because he looks this way. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of them wanting to know. They didn't know, they didn't know what they didn't know. So a lot of times I always say you save to spend, you invest to grow. Everything in mm-hmm. savings is there to spend. It's an emergency reserve. Mm-hmm. It's you save for a house, you save for a car, but to grow, you need to invest. There you go. But um, in minority households, all you're kind of taught is to save. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your, your parents' saving habits and what they talk to you about that. Yeah. So saving that, that will go that you just described why we always had everything we needed. Right. We really did. It was like, Oh, it was there. You know, I wanted to do, um, I played water polo and I said, I'm on the swim team. Oh, I need, I need a uniform. I need this. Okay. You know, it was never something you, I never you did, felt. You did, you did grow up in the suburbs. If you played water, <laughs> you played water polo. I played water polo and I swam on a swim team. So, and I was in band and I played the clarinet. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it, that's why I was saying it's a weird thing. Cause I grew up in this place where my dad was like, really with the, this mindset instilled in me, you know, and you, you do, you know, just everything. Like when someone talks to you, you know, and everything, like, and just mm-hmm. the little, the game, like I can't even just little, little pieces of game that you need to survive in the streets and the world, which I'm so grateful for because you need that street smarts really. Yeah, you can so still I, tell like uh, Mexicans in Oakland are like brothers. I yeah. love Oakland. I love Oakland. I love the Bay in general, but Oakland, like, it's that cultural melting pot. Yes. Uh, you still got that swag, even in the way you talk. I can tell that comes from your dad. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because my grandma, his mom, came to Oakland when she was 12. And she wow. does she never even had to assimilate because they had everything they needed. They literally had their own ecosystem, their own society, their own way of exchanging and bartering. My grandma, she she, her, she would say her comadre, which is her, um, her god, like, I don't even yeah, know. Her, her godmother, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. There, um, her, her, her comadre would literally like be her seamstress and that's where she would get her clothes and she would go to the market down the street and they spoke Spanish. And, and she, there would be the, the, my great grandma was a, was a midwife and a healer. Right. And so she, they would go to her for, for massages and, and healing and medicinal herbs and stuff like that. And, you know, there was just so many different things with there that they had. They didn't need, she didn't need a, even go to school. She said that they did put her into school, but she would run away. And finally, her great grandmother, which raised her grandmother, sorry, which is my dad's great grandmother, who raised her, um, was like, okay, you don't want to go to school, then you have to sit here and you have to learn how to cook and clean and and live basically and survive. You know, like if that's if you're really gonna keep running away from school, this is this is what you gotta do. My grandma is a good cook. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But as far as back to the question of um saving. Um, yeah, so my dad, my parents were really like, they saved. And like I said, they were always very frugal about, okay, you get $20 shoes, you know? And like, because they were always thinking about, okay, we are making this, we're putting this away and we could spend this. And, you know, they were always really good at budgeting and, um, but it was never a question of, yeah, of investing that into anything that I know of. I know my dad has like, has a retirement he works for the Union Pacific, so I know he has his own retirement thing going on, obviously. Um, but oh, it was never like 
something that he would teach me in that way. But the one thing they did, it sounds like they did do was they budgeted. Yes. Uh, did, did your mom run the budget or did your dad run the budget? That's another funny story. That was my introduction into accounting. I recently realized, oh my gosh, I was an accountant since I was, since I knew <laughs> math. No, seriously. So my mom, I'll never forget. So she, you know, my dad worked a lot and he, during my childhood, there was a time where he had to travel um, in his work. And my mom would be the one in charge of paying the bills every month. And she would come to me and, and she would tell me, okay, this is what I have to pay. This is the budget we have. Can you please help me? And so I would sit there as a kid, like 12, 13 years old. And I would look at the budget and look at the numbers and I would budget everything. And I was, I would like, okay, boom, boom. Okay, Matthew, you have this for this and you have this for that. And I write the checks for her. <laughs> literally, And I'm like, and then she would sign it obviously, but I would like write it out for her. And I would, um, then I would come to her and be like, okay, this is what you have. And then from there, she would do the saving or whatever, the allotting of the rest. But that's kind of my introduction to <laughs> counting as a kid. Hey, hey, don't say it so short because that's huge. What your mom <laughs> did for you by having you do that, it makes you responsible. When you understand the, how to, you mentioned you never wanted for anything as you were growing up. Right. Because when you budget, you always have enough. If you mm -hmm. stick to the budget, budget, a real budget should account for every expense you have mm -hmm. and to save and allow it to save something. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're happy. It doesn't take that much to, to, to live a satisfying life. It's just right. every dollar has a purpose. And you start doing that at like age 12, 13. So Literally. <laughs> I'm excited to kind of jump forward and talk about your life when you started earning yeah. money. You kind of alluded to it mm -hmm. earlier. You did. Um, you started waiting. You started serving, cleaning houses. So you, you are out trying to get a dollar young, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. And it can be, it's kind of, it's, um, it's kind of nice to be able to make those mistakes early. Cause when yeah. you're making tips, when you're making tips and you have cash on hand, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you're going to get cash the next night. You're blowing a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of your first experiences with money. When you started earning money, what was that like? So I was, I, I'm, um, when I was 16 or 17, I bought a car. And that was my first like big thing that I did for myself. It wasn't anything that was used and all that, you know, but nonetheless, it was a big proud moment for me. And, um, that was my first big purchase. And, and then, so it really, that so, so budgeting, let's talk, let's talk about that, yeah, that purchase. Did you save for, did you have an idea that I want to buy a car? Let me start saving. What was that experience like? Yeah. So my dad would always tell me when you want something, you have to, you know, know what you want. So you know it, you see it, you know it, you, I want that specifically. And you go explore and see what what's out there related to that. And you get the number, what's that number look like? And you act accordingly. And you move forward and you ultimately make the decisions and alignment that are going to get you to that place of what you want. Your dad's a wise man. I got to say your dad's definitely a wise man. Um, I tell so many clients, like, they, they feel like, we don't have enough to save. We, we can't save. But they're on a home. So mm -hmm. I always talk to them, you had to put a down payment on your home. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we did. You saved for that down payment. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. You had the same expenses. Yeah, we did. And I asked them, was your life terrible those nine months or so you were saving for that down payment? No, it was the same life we always lived. But the only thing is they have a goal in mind. And like mm -hmm. your dad said, when you make that goal real, you can visualize that goal. And you see what is you're, you're working and saving for, 
Mm-hmm. You'll be amazed what you can accomplish. And then mm-hmm. that's what you did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it can be made super esoteric and like conceptual and theoretical. Like you think of what you want and picture it. And, you know, it's very theoretical and imaginative and and it's a little too heady for me a little sometimes. So for me, when I break it down and bring it down to like an earthly kind of realm and I can, it's, it makes sense. It's not that serious. You know, it, this, it is, it's, that's the way, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's what it was for me. And then from there, um, I cannot say, I wish I, I allotted my money in when I was younger in a much better way. Cause I would be in a much better place now. Um, I definitely was a young person having fun and just, <laughs> I, I, I was the kind of friend that was like, Oh, let's go. I, I don't care. You let's go have fun. You know, <laughs> yeah. I find that's our culture. Like, our, I don't want to say our culture, but it's, it's just in the, mm-hmm. in the culture, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. if I got it, you got it. If yes. We, we all got it. And especially in this back household, even more so. My wife's from Mexico, and I know, like, it's, if I'm eating, everybody's eating. Mm-hmm. And if, if I, and, and, or else I'm not eating. Yeah. If I'm going to go in the store and buy something, and I have people with me, everybody's getting something. Yes. That's, <laughs> that, that's the generosity, like, that is taught, mm-hmm. but it's also got to be monitored. Exactly. Otherwise, you're going to be buying everybody, and it feels good. It's a love language. Like, it feels good to, mm-hmm. to get something for other people. And just to do it out the kindness of your heart, that feels good. And it's something that goes and within the community comes back and forth. It's reciprocal. But you also want to make sure they're still growing at the same time. And a lot of times we forget about that. Absolutely. That's true. So you um you you were making money, you weren't really necessarily saving money, but you did budget and save for the car. What mm-hmm. what what kind of car was it? Oh gosh, it was an uh, it was an Impala. What year was it? Two thousand six Impala. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that had the round lights in the back, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that that car. Anyways, that's funny. <laughs> um, that's the car I got. It was it fit the budget, and it was it did what it did. It got me to from point A to B. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you saved. You you learned the. Ability, it feels so good when you say when you work for something, you save for it and you get it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's take a moment and talk about that feeling. How'd that feel? Like I want a car, I'm working, I'm earning, it's all I knew. How'd that feel? Oh man, you that goes back to the whole you raised, you know, you raised a monster with my dad, I think, because I was I was at I was feeling myself. I was like, you know, he'd be like, You can't do it. I'm like, what you mean? And I it was just not cute. And so and I just knew I had gained a new sense of empowerment and a new sense of I can be, do, and have anything and everything I want. You know, I really can accomplish things in life and I can do things and I can do hard things. And it got to the point where I remember when I graduated high school, I I applied to a bunch of different colleges and I was able to get in, but I got uh, my parent, my dad on the very, I mean, back then he, I tell her this, I tell him this now and he will say he regrets saying this, but the concept behind it was you don't, you don't move out the house until you get married. Cause there was very, my mom's from Mexico. She grew up in Mexico until she was an 18 and she was, until she was 18. So there was a really traditional sense of how I was raised as well. And, um, so for, I was also like, you can't leave the house until you're married. And I'm like, wait, what if I never get married? I don't, <laughs> have plans for this I don't want to know like I just it was not acceptable I could not accept that it was just no and 
when I, and then he said, he's basically like, okay, well, if you want to go to college, you go here to a community college and I can you know, help you with being, you, you being here. Well, once you go to a, you know, to a four year or something, you're going to have to handle that yourself. Right. And so I decided to go to a, a community college, Solano community college. And from there, when, once I got my AA degrees and all that, I was time for me to move on. And I went back to my dad and I was like, Hey, this is the decision I want to make. And he said, okay, well, you're going to have to do that on your own. I support you in, in, you know, in love. And I, in, I'm here for you, but you have to, this is a, a decision you're going to have to make for yourself. And so I had to really sit with myself and think about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it and how I was going to move forward, knowing that, okay, I'm going to have to do this myself. And he meant that, <laughs> you know, you really, really meant that. Like, you're going to have to do this yourself. And I knew he meant that because my dad is a man of his word. Um, and so when I, when I left, I remember I, I made a decision. I applied and I chose to go to San Jose State University. And I remember I, in order for me to get that, to get to the dorm, whether this was a good decision or not, I'm not sure it's funny, but it worked out. I had, I had bought another car at that point. And the second car I got was I had a loan on it. So I went out and I took, I refinanced it to be able to pay my dorm for a semester. Cause I was like, you know what? And this is where faith came into play. So I had a, but I was really good at budgeting still. So I was, I had that life skill of like allotting my money and, and knowing and using my money as energy. But at this point of my life, I had to make a decision on faith. This is where finances and money decisions meet faith mm -hmm. and like really that stepping stone of, of life. Right. And so I had to make the decision. Okay. So this is what I have. And realistically, it's not going to get me far, <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I feel inside of me that I have to do. And so of course I figured out a way to do it. I remember I went to my bank and I was at one of the, one of the uh, bank person people there I don't even know which her position was but she was the bank teller I think I don't know but she was there and I remember telling her this and she actually had known my family so her her daughter or her son I can't remember what exactly she, my grandma watched her kids basically okay. and so she had we had and she saw me as a kid and so she's sitting there like okay this is a decision you want to make I want to like let, these are your options and then I told her what I was working with and what I had. And she was like, if you really want it, you could do that. Like, that's what you're working with, you know? And, and so I was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. I know I'm going to have to pay this again at another point in time. But right now I I'm going, I'm leaving my home. I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. I was like, I have to leave. <laughs> and, um, so I, I, I took out this, I refinanced the loan and I took out the money and I, and I just gave it to the school right away. And I was able to get there. And that's all I cared about. I'm at San Jose State. I have I have my dorm paid off for the semester. I'm good right now. That's all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so then I, you know, obviously I I had to find a job out there and everything. Um, and eventually I found I was had to work two jobs in school and I had to take out student loans. And um luckily I don't have much of them left anymore, but I had to really, my skills, my life skills transferred to life, real life in real time. And that's so big. You mentioned, when did you start? When did you finish school? 
like college or, or what? Yeah, college, yeah. 2000, 2015, I graduated from San Jose State. And you mentioned you don't have a lot of debt left. You're, you're in, no. And, and it's so easy to take on so many loans because it's yeah. school loans are the easiest loans to get. Yeah, so, and, yes. And it's easy to get uh, underwater and never really pay them off, never pay attention mm-hmm. to them. But mm-hmm. this goes back to those skills you were taught, like a budgeting and, yeah. and, and attacking something, and attacking a debt. And you, and you did that. So that's awesome. I want to say that's awesome. You were raised, you were raised right. And um, it's funny how these little things stick with you throughout life. Like mm-hmm. sitting in there budging with your with your mom, mm-hmm. stuck with you all the way into adulthood, and yes. it made the college experience a, a whole lot easier for you. Yeah. Like graduating college with a ton of debt, like these doctors do, mm-hmm. or some doctors do. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Like, dang, I'm really not earning any money <laughs> because I'm paying someone back. Yeah. <laughs> but as you do it, as you do- go, and you worked while you went to school. Talking about that. I, how hard I'm sure it came from your dad learning like to that kind of sacrifice because it, it's doable, but mm-hmm. it's very easy to feel like I'm a full-time student. I can't go, I can't work. I just got to take mm-hmm. loans and take grants. That was not an option. Yeah. So I remember people would literally be like, Hey Myra, let's go out and, and do this and that. I'm like, no, I have to work. You're always working. I'm like, I have to, like, I don't have an, like, there's no option here. Like that's, that's it. There's no, I can't, I can't act like, no, like I can't, I have to, and I'm going to, because I want to, I have to, and I want to, because it's supporting me. Remember this, I have a vision. I can see it. I know how much it costs. And I, and I know this is what I have to do in order to get it. I have to, because I, and I want to, <laughs> and that was really what it was. But yeah, I remember it was, and, and the cool thing was that I had, I got really cool jobs. So I was a, I was a server at a comedy club in San Jose, uh, shout out to the improv. It was really fun to work there. Mm-hmm. And I worked on campus at the Cesar Chavez community action center. And I was a community organizer there, which was really fun for me to do too. So yeah. it worked out. Yeah. No, those like it's, those are fun jobs. Mm-hmm. it's like so it's so important to make money of course it's important but making money on things that you enjoy mm-hmm. it's it's like a win-win and it's yeah. not like you're able to do that while you're getting education so that's mm-hmm. awesome um were you and cindy going to school at the same time yes mm-hmm. so uh and you mentioned you knew each other since you were four years old yes it's a lot easier when you're going through a journey with somebody so yes you guys like hold each other accountable or at least share some of your own struggles together it, it's easier when you're not struggling alone. So let's talk about that kind of um, accountability system that you had. That's interesting. So I remember there was a time where um, the conversation was there. Why don't you just come to San- Sacramento State? And because that's where she went. And it was concept of, you know, I would have had comradeship, you know, like just like I would have had her a friend, like a best friend, like a sister, really. And that support system and that connection and that more of an everyday kind of thing. And there was a feeling inside of me that I had to go elsewhere. Like I really had this desire to go somewhere where I didn't know people. It just was a need inside of me. And, but ultimately she was there. It was, she was there, but at the same time, it was a time of, of solitude and going inward for both of us. I think she was really handling her stuff and, and in her, in her element. And I was in my element handling my stuff. So we would see each other, but really not that much. And I think for her and I, it's really an energetic type of relationship where just the feeling and the knowing that we're there and we, that we're 
were there is is really powerful for us. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you guys needed to, that kind of independence. Yes, we did. And even though you guys aren't, you guys are just friends, but friends who grew up together, like me and my best friend, it, that codependence, like I know my friends always got me and I always mm-hmm. got him. His, But in order for us to grow as families and like have our own families, like, this is my family now. And yeah. like, it, I, it took my best friend actually going to the military and we, we always had that bond. Like if I see him now, it's, no, we didn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to kind of separate at times to really focus on you and grow. It sounds like that's what you did. So let's say we talked a little bit about, about school. I want to make sure we get into the book and get into your life now. What was life like right after school? What did you, what did you uh, get your degree in? I got my degree in sociology. Um, and I used, I, I transferred it over into social work and I was working with kids on probation. And I actually had been doing that for eight years. So I started doing that when I was in, um, when I turned 18, I was doing that too. So I was working and <laughs> had an internship. I, so I did a lot of different things in that, in that respect. And so for me, that's interesting that you're asking me that question. So I worked in social work and I was working with kids on probation in Oakland. So I actually went back to Oakland and it was really interesting because I remember telling my dad what I was, that I was going to take this job in Oakland. And he was like, so you're telling me your grandpa got us out of Oakland because it was a life or death situation. And you're going back there. Why? Like he was really not, he did not understand it. He's like, you're, that doesn't even make sense. You know? And for me, it felt like there was unfinished business, almost like an energetic type of thing that called me there to work there. And, um, for whatever reason, that's where I was called to. And then in 2016, not really, not too much after I, I graduated from college, it's really interesting. I was pregnant with my, I got pregnant with my son or I had my son. Mm. And when I, I went back to work after I had him and I was working with these young boys, mostly predominantly. And I, there came a point where I, one of the kids that was, um, that was work, working with us here, there, he was killed. And during that same time, my, my own cousin was also killed in Oakland. And that was really hard going through those things at the same time. And so that forced me to make a decision. And that, like, that led me to, I will stay home with my son. And that's where I had to talk to my husband and we had to sit with the budget and we were, we figured out that, okay, I can stay home, but our budget's going to come, our budget's really, it's going to come and be magnified and, and we're really going to have to fine tune this budget and work it like clockwork. Let's, um, you said a lot that there's a lot I want to touch on. Let's talk about uh, your husband. When he came in the picture, how'd you guys meet? Um, Let's talk about that. That's funny. So, you know, I'm telling you, like, it's funny how energy works. So I literally was like, I need to go to San Jose. I need to go. San. I met him the first week I was there. Yeah. And I could have sworn to you that I did not want that. I I, I would have promised you like, no, I'm here. I find I want independence. I love, you know, <laughs> I just wanna, and I was happy. I was feeling myself. I was feeling proud of myself. I was feeling accomplished that I, I got here. You know, I did this, you know, I made this leap of faith and I'm trusting my life and I'm trusting that. I'm guided. And I, and I met him the first week mm-hmm. and it just, that's where I met him in San Jose. And then, yeah, it went, it just kind of evolved from there. 
Okay, so uh, was he? So he was going. You guys was he a freshman as well? He was a no. So I actually transferred in there. So I was a junior, and he was a junior too. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is he from San Jose? No, he's from Oakland, which is funny too. Well, Berkeley, Oakland. Mm-hmm. Okay. Funny how life works, huh? And you guys just started dating right uh, since you got there, pretty much, and talking, and then eventually, yeah, it, we would just have dinner every day together, and then just talking and talking, and then eventually, yeah, we just started eating together. Is he Mexican as well? No, he's Honduran, Black, and Irish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um. Well, well, I always like to talk about this because I've done it, like mer- merging these cultures together. Oh, man. Uh, talk to me <laughs> about that experience. Oh, my God. It's so funny. You want me? To, okay, so it's just amazing. So we were raised, oh, gosh, completely, like, literally, it's almost like they put people in the opposite way of life, and they just we came together to teach each other about just, boom, like, different you know like so I grew up in a just to kind of give you context very Mexican in the sense of like we're all Mexican and and you know that traditional Mexican-American my dad was born and raised here so it was Mexican-American I should say because they all spoke English and Spanish and all that and um we were very connected and together all the time and just communal and I can I'm the oldest of all my cousins on both sides of the family and I can name every single one of them Mm -hmm. and I I know all of them, except a few of them in Mexico. Um, and anyway, so I just grew up in this very specific way, right? And he grew up in this very mixed cultural Berkeley, Oakland home where his his mom is Honduran and his dad is Black and Irish and his stepdad is Muslim. And his it's like, you know, it's amazing how, how just different his life is and they're all everyone in his family is unique and there's a sense of individualism and like me and you and you and separation and like honoring and respecting each other's different mindsets and in my family it's like so you're gonna step out of our well you know well system you know everything works and everything is a system and everything is like functioning perfect and you have a role and you have a role and you have a role and you fit this role and then over here it's like I have a role, you know, it's just a different way of living. And so I could, that's a whole nother podcast conversation. <laughs> like what you just asked me. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing though. It's just a beautiful oh thing. My God. I, asked, I always think about um, when my wife, we, we dated for a long time before we mm-hmm. got married. But I remember we got married. Um, uh, I like, my thing is the dishes. I do the dishes. That's like uh-huh. my job. I'm good at uh-huh. that. I don't like, that's my thing. And um, we had the macahete. Uh-huh. And like, to me, this thing looks empty. Mm-hmm. So I washed it and she got so mad. Uh-huh. Like, don't ever touch a Mexican woman's macahete. Like, <laughs> like rush hour. Don't ever touch a Mexican woman's macahete. I guess like, it's like, I don't know. It looks like nothing's in there. So you mix a little water in there. So it's just funny how you learn different cultures and things that are yeah. acceptable and not acceptable in mm-hmm. cultures but uh, as we talk wow. about merging two things together um and all the time i've been doing financial planning mm-hmm. and the podcast i very i don't think i can name one time where i've met two co- married couple that come from similar financial backgrounds and experiences with money they might both come from poverty or both, both come from wealth but their mindsets around money are always completely different yeah. So what was it like taking two different mindsets around money and merging them to one and kind of finding your own thing? What was that experience like? 
Hey, I warned you guys at the beginning of the show this was going to be a two-part episode, and we've reached the conclusion of part one. So guys, please tune in next week to hear the rest of Myra Stewart's story. You won't regret it. You guys have an awesome weekend. God bless. Payne Boyer is a financial professional with Homes Financial of Insecurities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA, FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.